All right, friends, let us go ahead and pray. Lord God, we can be happy and sing because of you, Lord, because of your love, because we know that you are watching over us and because of your saving grace. Draw us close, Holy Spirit, as the scriptures are read and the word is proclaimed. Let the word of faith be on our lips and in our hearts, and let all other words slip away. May there be one voice we hear today, your voice of truth and grace. Amen. And I have to apologize because I did not grab the clicker this morning. You see, this is my one oops. Sorry, Bill. So we're going to wait. The clicker is going to come. My apologies. Thank you. Appreciate it. See, if we had the camera, we could have caught Scott coming down the aisle. Oh, rescuing the person up front preaching. <clears throat> All right, let's continue on. When you hear someone say the words, always remember, what thoughts come to mind? What do you think of? Maybe on a day like today, we might think first of 9-11. You know, I remember I was teaching band at McCracken Junior High up in South Carolina when I first heard the news. I remember I was three months pregnant with Andrew, my oldest, and I thought, what am I doing bringing a child into a world like this? Lots of emotions, lots of uncertainty, lots of just questioning what's going on. Perhaps the words always remember, bring to mind a loved one, maybe one gone too soon. Our friends across the pond are currently remembering their beloved queen right now. We all have remembrance days, right? Things that are etched into our minds, times that we remember. And that's awesome. Sometimes they're even good things like birthdays or anniversaries or our very first kiss or maybe your first house or your first job. Those all bring happy, joyful, wonderful emotions. What about the day you decided to follow Christ? I'm sure that was a joyful time, right? Lots of excitement, so much fun. But now let's flip that just a little bit. We just got a lot of happiness, so now we're going to have to get to the mm, maybe not so happy. What about the time or the times that you've sinned? Now hang on, hang on. I know. Why would we want to remember those times? Nobody wants to remember the mistakes they make. Why dwell on them? We've been forgiven, right? So why? I'll explain, but first let's go ahead and read through our scripture today. Our scripture is found in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. If you have a pew Bible, it is page number 1080, and this is the NRSV version. I am grateful to Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me, because he judged me faithful and appointed me to his service even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. 
The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But for that very reason, I received mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display the utmost patience, making me an example to those who would come to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of all ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. So here we are. We're in the first letter of Paul to Timothy. These verses at the beginning here describe Paul's gratitude for the mercy he has received. Verse 12 begins with Paul being grateful and giving thanks. Why? Because he has been saved to serve. You see, this wasn't about him being honored or being better than anybody else or being appointed to leadership or a title. He was appointed to serve, to give. When I was first studying this passage, um, this is in the lectionary for today, so this is just what, what popped up for today. I found a story in Barclay's book that references a Spartan's victory and his reward. A Spartan wrestler at the Olympic Games was offered a very considerable bribe to abandon the struggle, but he refused. Finally, after a terrific effort, he won the victory. Someone said to him, well, Spartan, what have you got out of this costly victory that you have won? He answered, I have won the privilege of standing in front of my king in battle. You see, his response and his reward was not to serve, was not to just be there and be like, yes, I got it. It was to serve and if need be to even die for his king. It was service, not honor that Paul knew himself to be chosen. At this point, Paul, of course, also realized that he could not serve without being given the ability to do so. It's not about what Paul brought to the table. It's about what Jesus Christ enabled Paul to do. None of us are anything without what we've been given. In verse 13, Paul describes himself as a former blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence. Paul, back when he was called Saul, used some pretty angry words with the Christians. He ex totally did not do good things, right? He accused them of crimes against God. And he did everything in his power to extinguish, completely extinguish, the Christian church. He describes himself as a man of violence. Some translations actually say an insolent opponent or a man of insolent and brutal violence. The Greek word that's used here is hubristes. The definition there says someone damaging others by lashing out with a nasty spirit. This kind of individual is insolent, delighting in wrongdoing and finding pleasure in hurting others. Maybe you've heard the word hubris before. Aristotle says that hubris consists in doing and saying things that cause shame to the victim 
simply for the pleasure of it. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like a very nice man to me. You know, not only was he saying, no, what you guys are believing is wrong, he's making them feel bad for believing, and he's purposefully hurting them because he gets pleasure out of it. Not much of a good guy. But he knew this. Now, now in these scripture passages that we just read, he knows he wasn't a good man. He admits it. He confesses it. The second part of verse 13 continues by Paul stating that he was shown mercy because he acted ignorantly in unbelief. When I first read this part, I thought to myself, wait a second. He just admitted and told us that he did wrong. So is he now trying to excuse himself because he didn't yet know Christ? Actually, what we're seeing here is Paul's Jewish background coming out. During this time, the cycle was a person sins, that sin breaks the trust and the relationship between that person and God. So that person must then make a sacrifice to atone for their sins. Maybe you've heard blood atonement, thus restoring the relationship. But blood atonement was only meant for unintentional sin. Not something done on purpose, but unintentional. Unintentional would be something done out of ignorance or when you're swept away in a moment of passion. So yes, Paul is claiming his ignorance here, but not as an excuse. It's more of a reason as to why he was given forgiveness and why he needed to receive God's mercy. Therefore, that's how we know it was part of his Jewish roots. Another thing, he might also actually be comparing himself to the false teachers. In the verses just before this, he was talking to Timothy about the false teachers, right? And he was saying, hey, here's these people, they're doing the wrong things here, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Paul did not know Jesus yet when he was doing all these things. The false teachers claimed to know and follow Jesus, but still did evil things. So there's the difference in comparison that he might be showing us there. Verses 15 and 16, though, are really what struck me the most. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But for that very reason, I received mercy so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display the utmost patience, making me an example to those who would come to believe in him for eternal life. You see, Paul is telling us he was the foremost sinner. His persecution of the church did the most to hinder others from getting to know Jesus. He knew he was the worst. But despite all of that, he had been saved. Not only that, but because he was the foremost, the worst, and yet he had received mercy, it demonstrates the awesome love and patience found in Christ Jesus. So this is where I go back to the beginning about what I said about remembering sins and mistakes. Now, I don't think it is healthy at all to dwell on any of our past mistakes or our failures. That's not healthy. It's not going to do anything good for us. 
But I do believe it's important to remember our sinfulness, not to bring us down, not to make us feel bad or guilty, but in order to recognize the power of our Lord, to remember the love and the patience that is shown to us each and every single day. We all want to be more like Jesus. We all want to sin less, but we are not sinless. We know this. But in our sinfulness, we can rejoice. We can remember the sacrifice that was made for us and the forgiveness that we receive. So what can this little tiny passage here in Paul's letter teach us about how we are to live and respond? Paul gives thanks for being called to serve. Wow, service, it's an amazing thing. Not always easy, for sure, but it's an amazing thing. I am certain that the nominating committee here is very soon going to be calling people to be deacons and elders. Guys, this is exciting. How awesome to be given this chance to serve. Now, not because of the position, the title, anything like that. It's not for your glory. No, my friends, this is to glorify God, to get a chance to serve God right here in our church. But it doesn't stop here, and you guys know this. You walk out those doors, what do we do? We're still serving God, right? We're still called to go out there to talk to other people, to love other people, to show other people the love of God. So no matter where you are, you've been given your gifts, your abilities, and you can use those to serve God, the call to serve. Next, Paul recognized his wrongdoings. So do y'all know who that is? Yeah, Eeyore, yeah. Maybe some younger folks don't know who that is, but we know who that is, Eeyore. So when Eeyore speaks, he sounds so down on himself. If he were to read the first couple of verses, it would probably sound like this. I am grateful to Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful and appointed me to his service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence. Wow, that doesn't sound very joyful, does it? Not at all how I read this passage. You see, Paul is writing this with gratitude, with joy, knowing that he has changed, knowing that he has been changed and all that has changed in him through Christ Jesus. I asked my girls which current cartoon character they think is the opposite of, of Eeyore, and their answer was Peppa Pig. I will tell you, I never once in my life ever thought I would see Peppa Pig in our church, but there she is. So Peppa, I discovered, is a very happy, delightful, joyful person, or pig, sorry. Um, but she also recognizes when she does wrongdoing and she apologizes. But still, she's happy. If you look up pictures of her online, she's always happy. Eeyore's always sad. Peppa's always happy. So it's, it's, we don't need to be down on ourselves because we mess up, friends. Yeah, I know it's easier said than done. You know, no one's going to walk around and go, woohoo, I sinned today. No one's going to shout it from the roofs. I get it. 
I don't want you to, I don't expect you to. But we don't need to bury those sins or hide from those sins or ignore them or act like nothing's gone wrong. I'm sure many of us had read posts, whether on Facebook or heard things from other people that say um, Christians act like they're holier than thou and, you know, they're all, they're all just a bunch of hypocrites. You know, look at all those sinners. The church is just full of sinners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know we're sinners. Guys, that's why we're here, right? We know, we recognize that. We come here, we confess our sins. That's what we're doing. But see, we make this comparison here many times, and we talk about how um, the hospital is a place for sick people to get better, right? The church is a place for sinners to come and try to get a little bit better every day. Are you perfect? No. I'm a sinner. I am absolutely not perfect. Ask my husband. Ask my kids. They know I am not perfect. And I said that out loud. You heard that, right? I, I said it to everybody. Okay. So <laughs> we're not perfect. We are all sinners. Paul knew this. Paul knew what Jesus was to us. See, coming to church is not the end all. It's not the cure. Jesus is the cure right? You can't just come here, sit in these pews and think, woo, I'm done and go. No, it's that relationship, that personal time you have with Jesus, that confessing and understanding what Jesus did for you. So you don't have to be down on yourself. You can rejoice even in your sinfulness because God has forgiven you through Jesus. We sing because we're happy because we're free we're free from those chains. We are free to have a relationship with God. Finally, Paul was transformed by the result of the gospel in his life. Man, he was changed. His name was changed. Everything he did was changed. And not only was he changed, he lived out that transformation there was no way anybody was going to keep him from saying what he needed to say. He knew what to do. Again, I know this can be easier said than done, right? This world can be a very hostile place. We go out into it. We talk to people. We're afraid of offending people, of saying the wrong thing. It's hard in the workplace sometimes because, oh, we can't bring church into. Guys, it's not just about what you say. It's how you act. It's how you present yourselves and how you live. Are you kind? Are you joyful? I, I know Ferdy was talking about joyful versus joyless Christians. Are you joyful? Are you able, this is a hard one, are you able to be kind and joyful even when things aren't going well? That's the hard part, right? Putting on a smile when life around us isn't quite going the way we expected or the way we wanted or the way we planned, that's tough. But are you Eeyore or are you Peppa? I don't expect everybody to be Eeyore or Peppa all the time, right? There's going to be times when we're like, man, but when you're out with people, even in those bad times, we know God's with us. He's watching over us. He's going to be there to guide us through whatever we're going through. So we can still be joyful. We can still be like Peppa and have a good time 
and say, yeah, man, that wasn't going so well. Uh, that was a bad day, but it's all right. It's all right. We're going to keep on going. Yeah, man, my back hurts. I'm not feeling good, but it's okay. I'm still here. God's given me another day to stand here, to sit here, to lay on the ground here, whatever I need to do to be here and spread his word, his love to others that might not know. You know, if we can just get ourselves to always remember, to remember the transformative power, the abundant love, the amazing grace, what a blessing to know that, to be able to share that. That's something to be joyful about. In this, it is in this Thanksgiving and this remembrance that we can find comfort knowing that we are forgiven. It's in this remembrance that we can rejoice. We can give thanks to and for our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, always remember that. Always remember you're not about your mistakes. You're about the forgiveness that has been granted to you through Jesus Christ our Savior. And for that, we can be joyful and we can have a great old time all together. Amen? All right.